come to kindergarten kiosk. The Developmentally Appropriate Podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to Kindergarten Kiosk. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Kathy. And today we have another interview and this time it's an interview with Kira Beck. She is a reading recovery teacher here in the same district as me at a school just down the street. And she teaches a class on running records, which is fabulous. I've heard, I don't know yet because I haven't taken it yet, but I'm going to. (laughs) After this discussion, I know that I need to. Well, running records are really important because you need to know where your kids are at so you can keep moving them along the continuum. And if you want to learn about how to do effective running records, then the person to ask is definitely a reading recovery teacher. Because that is... They are so well trained. They're really well trained. They really are. I always wanted to be a reading recovery teacher, but I never had the chance. Hey, maybe now's the time. Well, I wonder how many districts reading recovery is in anymore. I don't know, but I all of them. I mean, I know it's real active in your... 100% of them, I hope. Me too, but it's not in my district. You here. don't have reading recovery? <laughs> we do not have Why reading recovery. Why don't you have reading recovery? I it's don't know. It's such a good program. I love the program. I know that in in my old district we had it and it was very effective and had wonderful effects. You have, I it. have it. I don't know. Oh, interesting. <laughs> well, I think everyone will enjoy listening to Kira. So, all right, go. great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Kira Beck and I currently am a reading recovery teacher and have taught reading recovery for 11 years, nine of which have been in Alpine School District. And then I'm also a literacy coach and I have been for the last two years part of my job. Um, So in part of reading recovery is um, doing tons of running records every day. I take a running record on my kids. Um, As for literacy, I think it's some of the best literacy um, instruction for struggling readers that I can have ever received. Um, I think I, I think that as the as it goes for teaching struggling readers, that's the best way to know how to reach a struggling reader. And so I love teaching, teaching reading to struggling readers to see all their, all the growth that they make and they have and they have that happens throughout the year for them. So, so you are a running record expert. Yes, (laughs) I guess you could say that. (laughs) I've had to do some studying to be prepared to teach a class that I teach um, once a year too for running records in Alpine District. So it's kind of fun. So why don't we start? really basically okay and talk about what running records are okay so a running record is a form of assessment it can be formal or um, it can be uh, informal on the assessment but it's a a form of assessment where you take um, you basically record everything a child does while reading a, a text Um, You will use tick marks or check marks to um, record the correct reading and then at the point that they start incorrect reading you will take and write down everything they say and how they say it. So you're totally um, keeping track of the way that they say 
uh, or they're reading the text. Um, if they go back and reread, you document everything they do. So you're able to go back and have a picture, basically a snapshot of how the child read that text. So you can later analyze what they are doing on the running record. Um, formal assessment, meaning you've got it documented and you can use it to um, then inform your teaching um, and informal being that you can totally um, use it however you need to for what information you want. So it can be used as a complete, um, if you need documentation of what, what the child's doing for moving levels, like it can be totally used however information you can, all the information you can get off of it, then there's tons you can go through and find from a running record. So. so you're teaching a class on how to give running records. Mm -hmm. So this is all audio, so it makes it a little difficult because <laughs> we can't actually see the running records. But could you give us some of the tips that you give in the class on how to make them more useful? So some of the tips we use in the class um, are we basically start out in our class and talk about what a running record is and then we teach how to take the running record for a period of time um, and we practice those which can get tricky especially if a child's a quick reader and mm -hmm. are or an inventor of text where mm -hmm. they just decide <laughs> to insert their own words and many of them it can get tricky so we do lots of practicing on how to take the running records um, and then um, we go through and we talk about what kind of information you can get off of it. We talk about how to um, calculate the percentage on a running record which gives you an instructional, an independent, or a hard level. Mm -hmm. So you know um, if the text the child is reading is accessible or you know at what level it's accessible if they're working hard. What's the, what is it again? I okay. can't remember the formula. What's so, the percentage? Um, when you do the formula, percentage 95 and above is an independent level. Okay. And um, 80 or 90 to um, 95 is instructional, and below 89 is a hard level. Okay. So, um, and depending on what you're trying to get the child to do, um, we usually want to keep them in an instructional level uh, in. Um, when you're working one-on-one -on -one. as you're doing guided reading you would probably want to keep it more in the independent closer to an independent level mm -hmm. than a one-to-one -one reading mm -hmm. um, lesson so you can do a lot more help one-to-one -one than you can in a guided reading group so That's you want to keep them hot at an easier level in a guided reading group than in a one-to-one -one level that makes so. me think I've probably done too hard of books and guided <laughs> reading so far because yeah. I've usually aimed for the instructional level yeah. and that's true it probably does need to be a little easier because it's not one-to-one -one, is it so yeah if you think about the gradual re release of responsibility meaning teacher modeling and support is on the um, one side of it and child independence is on the other side of it guided reading is closer to child independence versus lots of teaching and lots of modeling so mm -hmm. you totally want to keep them closer to an independent level than mm -hmm. um, in the instructional level um, especially if you have a group of six kids <laughs> that are sitting around the right. table because so. you're not one-on-one -on -one with them mm -hmm. so that's true yeah 
So um, along with finding that, you can see their self-correction ratio, like mm -hmm. how often they are correcting themselves if they're, and that leads to a strategic activity. Are they noticing um, that they're making errors and self-correcting them? How close at the error are they self-correcting um, if they're going back and rereading, which leads to all the strategic activities. So mm -hmm. self-correction ratio is another thing you find. So we go over that um, mm -hmm. when we do our class, how to do those. And then we look at um, some strategic activity. Um, what will we teach how to um, determine what sources of information the child is using. Um, whether using min meaning structure or visual um, mm -hmm. for sources of information. Um, so we teach them how to calculate that and to determine which one of those they're using and um, be able to write a quick statement about what source they're using and where you would like to take the child to go next. Mm -hmm. And the next step of um, we work on is um, strategic activity on looking to see whether the child does an error, are they self-monitoring, are they um, cross-checking or self-correcting, and are they searching for information. So all of that is gone through in mm -hmm. Um, how to calculate a running record and you can also we also go into a little bit of about comprehension mm -hmm. and how what you can tell um, comprehension level wise off of a running record mm -hmm. and if they're comprehending or not so we talk about a lot of stuff yeah you do talk <laughs> about a weeks. lot of stuff <laughs> <laughs> so it's a nine um nine session course uh, uh -huh. that we do so it's Quite extensive. So, so this will be like the cliff notes version yes. of the nine, <laughs> nine week course. Yes. Two hours. Nine. Two hours for nine weeks. And yes. this is like 30 minutes. So yes. So it can go to like we go into lots of depth. <laughs> so I'm especially interested in talking about the meaning and the structure and the visual. Mm -hmm. Um because I know that you're supposed to look for those in a running record, um, but I don't know that I've always been good at pinning down which ones the kids are using, or after I've pinned down which one they're using, you know, what having that informing my instruction. So mm -hmm. can we talk about that piece a little bit? Yeah. That's so okay. um, when you talk about meaning structure or visual, meaning is um, the overall meaning of the story, like what's happening in the story how it pertains to um, what is uh, the story about, mm -hmm. what the characters are doing, where the setting is, that's all tied into meaning. So when you're, you're trying to determine whether you're um, getting meaning, you would ask yourself, what led the child um, to up to the point of error to make that error? Mm -hmm. And if it um, pertains to the storyline and what would happen or what could possibly happen in the story or sometimes what could possibly happen in any story mm -hmm. is what they use, you would do meaning. So um, you would ask yourself, um, what... Um, does that make sense in the story um, mm -hmm. for the meaning? So that would lead up to a meaning structure or a meaning um, source of information of what, mm -hmm. what would make sense in the story. Mm -hmm. um, if you went with um, visual information, like what would look right visually according to the word? Mm -hmm. Not um, a lot of teachers will think, oh, that means like they looked at the picture, that's visual, but oh. it's not. It's uh -huh. completely in what looks right in the print and mm -hmm. in the text. So visual information only pertains to the 
printed text on the page. I'm trying to think of an example. It would be like... So if they said, this is a common one that a lot of people are um, way, they, they don't get, but they'll say and for said, and that's visual because the A and the D are visually similar. Because there's so, an A and a D in said in, in similar places. Uh-huh. Oh, uh-huh. okay. So there's visual similarities in there um, for that. Okay. Uh, another I would not have picked up yep. on that one. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So they'll totally, like, pick up some salient feature that maybe will look the same. Mm-hmm. Another thing is they'll do this visual information is the first letter will be the same and the rest of the word will not okay. um, look similar. But that would still be mm-hmm. visual because mm-hmm. they at least visually picked up on the first letter yes even though they didn't attend to any of the other letters yes okay so there's some visual similarities in the word with the word that they said so okay that's where visual would go okay um there and then um structure is it would it follow a um, sentence structure or a sentence pattern pattern that we use in our speech mm-hmm. and with that um so a lot of times, like, teachers will go, they know that word, it's not, like, but yet the word they said for it followed a sentence structure. Like, a lot of kids, mm-hmm. especially in the beginning, um, they learn this sentence structure, look at, look yeah. at, and then they'll all of a sudden, the, something will change, and it'll be like, look, said, blah, blah, blah you know, mm-hmm. said somebody, and they'll go, look at, and then it's just that sentence structure that was driving mm-hmm. them through. Mm-hmm. So um, that syntactic, syntax or okay. structure. So is what would be follow a sentence pattern or a sentence like a, structure. Like a grammar mm-hmm. kind of structure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that would be this the syntax okay. or the structure. How the similar are uh, syntax, syntactic <laughs> syntax errors and, and meaning errors? Do they... Are they, do they, they sometimes, hand hand sometimes, sometimes or? they do. Okay. Um, and sometimes they will use both of them together mm-hmm. and sometimes they'll use visual and, um, structure together or the mm-hmm. syntactic syntax mm-hmm. together. So it just depends. Sometimes they'll use the two and neglect the other. Mm-hmm. So it really depends on the kids and using a running record. You can go through and say, Oh, look, meaning and structure drove every one of these errors. Mm-hmm. I need to now get them to use their visual information. So it's easy to go through and be able to tell from the running record after you've analyzed it what they are using and where they need to go next. Okay. So, is it when you're just learning how to tell the difference between the three, is the most helpful thing to because you've written down every error they made. Mm-hmm. So the, you're going through after the fact and analyzing what they said and what they were supposed to say. Mm-hmm. Because I'm clearly not going to be able to do it in the moment. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's after. Okay. Um, after you, you'll sit down after and analyze, especially, and not always would you analyze every one of them, especially if you're a classroom teacher. Mm-hmm. Like you're going to look, but the ones that you're not getting to move, you definitely want to sit and look at where, you know, kids that are stuck on a level mm-hmm. or kids that aren't taking on instruction. Like looking at where they're at and what they're what their pieces are missing, mm-hmm. okay. and what they're using, and is their strength for sure. So, so once you've determined, like for example, like this child never uses meaning, what what's the next step for that child? 
So the next step would be to teach them um, how to make it make sense in the story. Mm -hmm. Like as a good reader, good readers always make it make sense. So if they're completely in, I call it visual la-la land, where they totally (laughs) just are like taking every word apart and they're not, they're not able to think about the story. It sounds really choppy. They're throwing in random stuff that doesn't make sense. And it's visually, it maybe looks similar, but it didn't, it doesn't make it all sense. You would go back and talk about the meaning of the story and mm-hmm. totally prompt for, um, for, for them to use meaning. So if they were reading along and they, um, I'm trying to think of a book that would go. Um, so if they were reading along and they came to the word lake and they went lack and just sat there, mm-hmm. that's um, like an example. They're just using visual where mm-hmm. you could totally go, now think about what would we call this that would, that would look like that. Mm-hmm. So you're going to bring it back into the meaning of the story. Or if they came to the word river and they said and then they stopped Mm -hmm. and they don't know how to pull it together you're going to go what would we call this so Mm -hmm. they're bringing back the meaning to the story so you prompt according Mm -hmm. to a meaning Mm -hmm. and then you would tell bring it all back together so it's like you would want to integrate all three Mm -hmm. um so you would go yes and that would and that now looks right and makes sense because you want to make sure they don't draw do they ever does a kid ever drop out one of the other ones if you attend too much like if you hit meaning too hard then they'll drop out the other ones yes (laughs) so right now even right now I um, have a student who is an English language learner and because of his structure not being able to be strong because he doesn't have the English language I can't rely Mm -hmm. on that one and because I totally um, just left meaning out and didn't tie it in enough, he's been totally visual. <laughs> and so I've had to go back in and bring in meaning. And there's been a lot of like totally, we've had to go back and a lot of instruction on how to tell what's happening in the story first. So he's thinking about the story. A lot of instruction that's happened um, that I'm telling him what's coming up as he's turning pages on new books. So he's still thinking about the story. Mm -hmm. So yes, they will drop out one or the other or they'll go meaning and neglect, neglect all visual information. And those are the ones that end up inventing text or it's a gross visual error where it doesn't even have any letters that are the same. <laughs> like those are the ones that just say random stuff mm-hmm. that it would totally make sense in the story, but the words don't match up at all. So those are your kids who will use meaning and neglect visual. So it's totally, they will. There have yeah, been, there they'll have use been. one or the other. And sometimes structure will clearly drive too, like they have, and it's called oral language override, where Mm -hmm. they just are like expecting it to say something and they just keep going and they don't know how to fix it because they don't know how to bring in the visual and the meaning with Mm -hmm. the structure. So they will neglect one and one will be strong a lot of times Mm -hmm. over the other two. They'll have a strength. Mm-hmm. So what? Okay, so we we talked about meaning, right? So mm-hmm. what does a cue look like for the for structure and visual? What do they look like as Ooh. you're helping kids in either of those? So when they're reading and you're looking for add on a running record, is that? Uh, well, if you found a kid, because okay. we talked about a kid mm-hmm. who isn't using meaning. So what if you have a kid who is either 
uh, not using visual or they're not using structure? How do you? So um, if they're not using, I'll go to visual first because okay. it's easier to like <laughs> teach for visual information. Uh -huh. um, as they're coming up on a word, you're going to say, now get your mouth ready and look for something that you know that might help you and then think about what would make sense in the story. So I'm going to tie it back into meaning because they're strong on that but they need to look for something that's going to help them. Or um, even younger, um, if they're really beginning readers um, and they're, they come across in the word as river, you could go, it could be lake, it could be pond, or it could be water, or you know, the river. It could be lake, it could be pond, it could be river. And they have to use their visual information to determine which one it is, because mm -hmm. all would make sense in the story. Mm -hmm. So that would be like a younger, like or yeah, lower levels, mm -hmm. um, below sixes or around sixes, mm -hmm. um, which is a D. So, okay. so um, like kindergarten, kindergarten mm -hmm. kind of prompts. Okay. Uh -huh. Beginning first grade, kindergarten, mm -hmm. like you would give them choices of three things that would make sense, but they're going to have to use their visual information that is going to help them determine which one it is. Okay. So that's a, um, a way to teach for visual. Also, um, yeah, as they get older in the higher levels, um, they're going to, um, you'll want to like totally have them looking for bigger chunks of information. So you're going to prompt them to look for something they know that might help them. Mm -hmm. So you're always going to be a visual prompt that they're going to look for something you know that might help them. And then go back and say, now, does that make sense in the story? Mm -hmm. So you tie it back in. You keep it tied into the mm -hmm. other one. To the meaning which okay. is their strength so okay. they don't neglect it right. <laughs> when they take on the visual right so yeah and then as for like syntax um you would i usually like to try it to either meaning or um visual mm -hmm. like you're going to look for something and think about is that how we would say it in our mm -hmm. story like always think about would that be is that the way we could speak is that would that sound right to your ears mm -hmm. Um, usually, um, if you think about meaning being make sense in the brain, visual meaning it looks right to your eyes and syntax, it, um, sounds right to your ears. What would so. be an error like rund, if they say rund, but that's how they also orally say it? Then it's their oral language syntax okay. that's there. Um, uh, a lot of times when you're teaching for syntax, you're going to do it in your book introductions, and you're just going to run those things. Mm. If they say run, and you know they say run, you're going to say, little bear ran away. Say that with me, little bear ran away. <laughs> that's you're a just gonna teaching keep, Yes. <laughs> and you're going to get that in their ears so they know that that's the structure they're going to use, that mm -hmm. little bear ran away or, mm -hmm. you know, he ran and ran and ran like over and over uh -huh. like so you're gonna hear it uh, they're gonna hear it they're gonna use it a lot of times before they get to it in the book to read it so they're prepared mm -hmm. <laughs> yes yes i've got i've gotten that error before <laughs> rand is very common <laughs> he ran away he ran away yes he goed he goed away yep. yes yeah, instead of went, yes, he goed. Uh -huh. So what's, one part of running records I always had a hard time with is keeping track of them and knowing how often to give them and keeping it organized. Do you have any good tips on that? So um, because I've done running or guided, uh, because I have done... Um, reading recovery. Reading recovery. <laughs> What is yes. it you teach again? Whatever I teach, yes. 
in a long day. Because I do reading recovery. Um, I don't do a lot of classroom stuff, but mm-hmm. I have done some summer school. And mm-hmm. so I try to make sure I keep my running records with those. Mm-hmm. And I kept him in a binder for um, to keep track of them. Mm-hmm. I would um, take the running record, and then I had a tab for each one of my kids behind, like, where I kept their group information. Mm-hmm. And then I would just keep the running records behind there so I knew when it was. I had a little sheet that... I had their names and then squares where I could write the dates that I last gave them a running record. So I could keep track of who got the running record most recently and how long has it been since I've given uh-huh. kids running records. So, you can, keep so track. I can keep track of who's had it. Um, really and truly and ideally, you probably want to hear each one of your kids at least once a month mm-hmm. um, for a running record. So um, if you can give a running record one a day per group, it would be you would get through your class easy um, in two weeks. Um, if you've got three or four groups going, it mm-hmm. totally would be you know three you weeks or so. You would get through everybody pretty easy, and you would know oh where they're at and what they're doing mm-hmm. for reading. So okay. Um, yeah, so that's how I kept track of it. Other teachers keep track of it in other ways. There's a multitude of ways, yes. I'm sure. Yes. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of the teachers that presented. Part of our class, our final project was to so, to put together a way to organize that's it and a keep good track final of it. Project. I we like thought that it way. was. <laughs> <laughs> the person who um, helped us design the class, she thought we should have them write a ten page paper, and I said, I don't want to read a ten page paper. <laughs> Thinking for teens too. <laughs> Taking the class, organizing the your running records is the better yes, one. Yes, I, I like thought that so. One. That's something you can turn around and, and use. Just start using exactly. You can't use a ten page paper. No, why <laughs> <laughs> that? It's a lot of no. <laughs> so. That was our final to do was to have a system of how you kept track of your running records and people had kept them in like folders and just a mirror like tons of different just whatever ways. works yeah. for you and whatever, whatever you can keep track of mm-hmm. yeah but get to everybody once a month is what you would say I would suggest yeah okay because especially in the lower grades in kindergarten and first grade they can move fast oh they move they so fast they move really fast well they move like. How many levels do they move in first grade? First grade, they go from a 4 to an 18. 18. That's a lot of levels to keep track of. (laughs) From a C to a K. It's kind of crazy. And it changes so quickly, Mm -hmm. too, just from day to day where Mm -hmm. they're at. Yeah, and um, with my students that I work with um, in reading recovery, uh, I try to spend three days on a level. Like, mm-hmm. really and truly, if I can't get my kids accelerated, three days we read on that level, and I'm trying to get them moving off of it. By the so, fourth day. Uh-huh. Because so. you have to move them from, like, yeah. a C to a K. So <laughs> Yes. And sometimes I pick them up in January and have to move them from a C, C to, to a K. K. <laughs> like, four months. Yes. <laughs> so, you got to move them fast. But they can make that um, that much progress, and if you're not paying attention like you can miss them really easy yeah. but yeah they move quickly you so. said part of what you talk about in your class is using uh, running records for comprehension mm-hmm. I don't know that I've ever used a running record for comprehension 
So tell me about that. <laughs> so um, a good way to know if they know what's happening in the story, a good indicator totally is if they're totally visual, they're probably not understanding the story. Mm-hmm. And you can almost indi- you know, totally guarantee that they're not thinking about what's happening in the story at all. They're just mm-hmm. totally using visual information. Mm-hmm. So um, a big indicator that they're not comprehending what's happening is if they're using visual information, if they're neglecting syntax um, on things. So you can look at um, what type of errors they're using mm-hmm. to see if they're um, what they're if they're really thinking about what's happening in the story mm-hmm. and understanding what's happening. Um, another indicator is how often do they go back and reread? Are they rereading a ton um, that they're having to go back and think about what's happening again? A reread is usually a search for meaning, so mm-hmm. they're trying to comprehend what's happening and, and use their meaning on a story. So there's those kind of things that you can look for for indicators and clues about comprehension on okay. a running record. If you see a kid who's rereads a lot, mm-hmm. is that a problem or is that just information um so i just recently had a student that she um was she ended up rereading a ton and that's Mm -hmm. because i was trying to get her to phrase and read Mm -hmm. fluently and so she was always going back and rereading it a second time to phrase it and to read it fluently she wanted to go back and make it sound right the second Mm -hmm. time And so, which I'm like, oh, great. But then it became a problem because Uh it took three times as long to read the book (laughs) because we were rereading two and three, you know, sentences Uh every sentence two and three times. So it's not, it doesn't end up being a fluent reading because she's rereading it so much. So Mm -hmm. it's an indicator, okay, something's not pulling together. Mm -hmm. So it should sound fluent the first time, except for at a point that they have to slow down to solve and then it should pick back up. So it's a fluency indicator. Mm -hmm. Um, A rereading also is if they're at um, a point of difficulty and they're Mm rereading to um, go back and try and solve. That's Mm -hmm. um, what's how they're uh, what strategy they're using. It's an indicator of that's their strategy to solve. Like, is their strategy to go back and reread and they're rereading four and five times and not trying anything visual? I can send, you can look at that too to see. And give them another strategy to use uh-huh. so they don't have so, to do that. So, so they're not often. rereading four and five times because they don't know what else to do. And that's yeah. their only strategy they have in their bucket to use. So it's an indicator there too. As the rereading is could mean a lot of things mm-hmm. for that. It um, depends on mm-hmm. the individual child, mm-hmm. which is probably the case with reading <laughs> records or running records in general, uh-huh. right? Yeah. So another thing for rereading is that are they going back to self-monitor and check? Like that's what you have to determine when they're rereading. Are they going back and slowly doing it and checking? Like you're watching their eyes, you're watching what they're doing and making notes on your running record mm-hmm. to determine what... What what's the reason for the reread? Mm-hmm. So are they you know is it going back to to fix the fluency? Is it going back to search for meaning? Is it going back to check on themselves? So there's lots of reasons to reread. Okay, but you can in, look at that and indicate it off your running record. That's why you want to keep track of how far back they reread and at what point they go back. Are we going back to the front of the page? Are we going back to the beginning of the line? Like, where? how far are they going back mm-hmm. to pull it together? To get it back. Mm-hmm. 
How much do you worry about speed when you're taking writing records? Do you want to time them, or are you more, or are you more concerned about the particular errors in, in it? What's the... Um, if I'm looking for uh, uh, words per minute rate, mm -hmm. I will yeah. time them, and I will keep track. Um, at maybe towards, especially when DRA was huge and coming mm -hmm. up in Alpine, it's not so much anymore um, that... It's because DRA um, was very concerned with speed, speed and yeah. words per minute. Mm -hmm. So I would be going, okay, are they going to make the words per minute? So I would um, time them for um, at the 100 point word mark to see where they're at or mm -hmm. how long it took them to read the words. But most of the time, I'm not worried about speed. I'm mm -hmm. looking for um, other things. But you can mm -hmm. if that's your focus that we're looking for fluency and rate. Like mm -hmm. if you're teaching for rate and fluency, you can see if their rate's going faster you, you by check it. Mm -hmm, okay. by keeping track of the words per minute and timing it. Yeah. Okay. If you're giving the DRA. Yes. Or some other time tests. Um, yeah. Now it's the Dibbles assessment, mm -hmm. so they still have a one-minute timing and they have words per minute. Mm -hmm. It's a lot lower than the DRA, the benchmark is, but it's still... They still have a one-minute timing, and they're still getting words correct, a words correct score, a fluency score. So, it's a good indicator if you know they're gonna be on benchmark or not. If you have a kid who's really slow, what do you look for to help speed them up? Um, I mean, is it just a matter of finding where their errors are and fixing the individual errors? Or is there more to it than that? So it depends on why they're slow. There's mm -hmm. a lot of um, reasons that a child can be slow. One mm -hmm. could be that they're um, processing slow. One could be that they've just learned to be a slow reader. Um, mm -hmm. It's a learned behavior, and a lot of kids fall into that category. Um, so with influency of rate, automaticity, and um, phrasing, or um, and then your intonation and stuff that goes with it. So what is causing them to be slow. Is it because of high frequency words? So you would be noticing on your running records, how many high frequency words are they missing? Are they stumbling mm -hmm. on high frequency words? Are they stopping? Like, is it high frequency words? Are they stopping and thinking a long time before they try something? Mm -hmm. Like, are we got tons of weights and then try something as on the running records? That could be, uh, you know, just we're not fast at deciding what to do. So we're trying to decide on that. So you're looking for things that are going to indicate why they're slow. Um, if they're just uh, every word is really slow, then we might be looking at we just need to speed them up and speed their eyes up. Mm -hmm. And there's things that you can do to get them to go faster mm -hmm. to speed their eyes up. And usually a matter of um, some choral reading and modeling how to make it sound fluent Mm -hmm. A fluent reading will take care of those kids who just need to speed up mm -hmm. and speed their eyes up and teach their eyes to go faster. Mm -hmm. um, just choral reading together in a group will take care of that. But um, if they're slow at decision making, um, you got to take and go back and go, okay, are we slow at deciding what the letter sounds are? Are we slow at deciding what this word is? If it is, we've got to do, you know, get automaticity in those sight words so that they're fast and they're fluent get automaticity in the letter sounds so they're fast and fluent so they don't have to think about it and as they get um in higher levels like automaticity in three letter chunk words or um in the vowel teams or the digraphs and the consonants that so they're able to find those and say them quick so if it's a matter of processing that's 
usually it's an automaticity thing that they're okay. slow on. So you can see those things by what they're doing at point of difficulty. If they're sitting, like I have a little boy right now. He's reading 17s, but he just sits. Mm. I think he's thinking in his head, mm. but I'm like, I need your boy, your mouth doing something. <laughs> <laughs> your mouth needs to be doing something like that is like that's what I'm teaching him to do we're not going to sit we're going to do something are uh-huh. we going to your mouth is going to get ready and we're going to start because every time he does it like comes out faster uh-huh. but he sits and thinks for a long time and I'm like this isn't flying this isn't working it's not working because this is taking way too long <laughs> so like sometimes it's just like he's just slow thinking slow mm-hmm. so like we're just trying to get the thinking faster and getting our you know getting our mouth ready to say something versus just sitting and deciding what we're gonna do so I need to take your class <laughs> <laughs> I need to take this class <laughs> I'm there's so many things I'm like oh yeah I, I learned that one <laughs> <laughs> yeah I remember that <laughs> um Yeah, I couldn't teach reading without a running record. Like, without doing a running record on a child, I wouldn't know what to do or where to go, like, without the running record because it gives me so much information about what to do. Um, I use them for referrals for my my kids if they don't make progress with me and discontinue with me. My running record scores are what we use in my documentation of what, um, what happened in reading recovery. So it totally works on how to determine if child is um, making progress or not too. So um, I personally think they're valid and they, um, you can't teach reading without them. So. If you'd like to suggest something you want us to talk about, you can write to us at kindergartenkiosk at gmail.com and you can visit our website at kindergartenkiosk.com. Bye everyone. Bye. Kindergarten Kiosk is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, a network of podcasts for educators by educators. For more information, visit edupodcastnetwork.com. That's E-D-U podcastnetwork.com. Now can I listen to it?